are wrapping up a series today called Meant for More, right? And we are uh, in a stated goal here, uh, moving toward a fuller faith. And so each week in this series, we have moved toward something that we have defined as a fuller faith. We went from living kind of inside our bubbles to outside. We've gone from a kingdom of me to a kingdom of we. We've done um, the idea of, of instead of giving to God, returning to God out of God's abundance for our lives, we have talked about how important it is that we not live in closed off from people, but that we're actually open and vulnerable with one another, and how important it is that we gather and that we declare that God is right, right? Last week, we talked about being conduits of God's grace and practicing real love uh, to the world and what that might look like uh, for us, but always uh, receiving from God and then giving, uh, let that flow through us to the world. And today, we are going to talk about something that I believe is one of our culture's most biggest challenges, and that is living right here in the present moment. Does anybody ever be challenged with that? Well, let me tell you, you're not the only one. It was happening way back in ancient times, too, in James's church. Uh, James uh, has a, a word for us. I'm going to be preaching out of uh, James chapter 4, and I'm going to be beginning in verse 13. I'm going to read to you out of the message, but they have something very important to, to teach us about living in the present moment right now and how important that is in life. Listen to this. And now... I have a word for you who brashly announce today, at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such city for the year. We're going to start a business and make lots of money. Wow. Now, James is addressing here the ancient day business person, right? You can practically see it. You can almost see them. Like, I just imagine, like, some very tan person in a nice, colorful, flowy robe, right? It'd be Armani, except Armani hasn't been born yet, <laughs> right? And then across their soldiers is maybe like the latest ancient Michael Kors messenger bag, right? <laughs> Made of high quality. It's probably got animal hide and double stitched and everything. And maybe he's standing upright in, in the latest sandals by Jerusalem cruisers. <laughs> now... He doesn't have a brand new Dodge Caravan like we might, but he has an actual caravan, like two camels loaded down with his stuff, right? Now, he has it all worked out in his mind, if you notice in this passage. He has it all worked out. He can tell you when, today, or tomorrow at the latest. He can tell you where he's going, to such and such city, right? He can even tell you what he's going to be doing, you know to make some cash, to make some serious money, guaranteed thing, right? You see what James is doing here, right? James is kind of creating this picture for this congregation, one that might actually sound familiar. Any of you ever been in that situation where you've had somebody in your life bragging about one of these can't-lose kind of situations? But as with all these kinds of pictures and as with all these kinds of circumstances, as with every story like this, something does not seem quite right. And James calls it out very perfectly in his response. Listen to what he says. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. 
You're nothing, this, I love this, you're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sunlight before disappearing. And then he offers this. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, then we'll do this or that. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, thank you for James, and thank you for James's church, and thank you for this word from, from your true book of life. God, help us to see ourselves. Help us to, um, to, to hear what it is that you have for each of us. As you wired each one of us, and you know how to speak to each of us individually, pour out your spirit on us and in us, God, and, and work in us. And God, may we truly be transformed. May we truly change in some very significant way before, before we finish today. I pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, like James and his friends in the early church, we kind of also live in a money-obsessed culture this just always kind of pining for fame and and always looking for popularity right we may have swapped denarii for dollars we may have exchanged land and herds for penthouse apartments and airline miles and we've seen the roman empire now give way to the great american dream but for generation after generation, since this time, right here in the Bible, people have chased after this idea of a sure thing. It's going to lead them to all the happiness and all the contentment in the world. You know what I mean, right? That thing that has us seeing dollar signs in our eyes and daydreamings about the finest fashions and eating the most delicious meals and staying in only the best accommodations and, of course, eat, uh, doing all of the grandest events that there are to be done. I think we all have a Facebook friend or an Instagram friend or two that probably leave us feeling a little insignificant. Do you have that friend? I do. And the rest of you are lying. I know you can think of one, yes? <laughs> but see, there's a problem behind the scenes of all of that. And I really think that James gets at it. The problem with the story is what happens when there is no huge success. <laughs> what happens when the stock market tanks? What happens when you lose your job? <laughs> What happens when your marriage fails? What happens when you become addicted to porn or opiates or alcohol? What happens when tomorrow doesn't work out the way you plan? Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with making plans for the future. That's perfectly normal. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with dreaming about a good life, or reaching for the stars, or being successful. No, I'm not saying that there's wrong with any of that. I'm not even saying it's wrong to make money. If you earn it honestly, and you spend it wisely, then I think that you'll be fine. We've discussed this for weeks now in our series. But we've also been discussing the fact that Jesus Christ calls us to radical shifts 
radical shifts in order for us to move toward a fuller faith. And I don't think this is any different. But the first problem that we can detect in this narrative is the fact that there is no mention of Jesus Christ. There is no mention of God in this Jerusalem jet setters plan. (laughs) Not one, not one single shot does he take at mentioning God. A second problem is that there's no reality in this plan. It's all ifs. I'll go to today or tomorrow at the latest. I'll, I'll go and I'll make all this money, right? I'm headed towards a sure thing. He's got it all planned out. But James says, no, you know, that's silly. <laughs> James says, if that is how you live your life, you are like a wisp of fog. I think that's fascinating. I wanted to know, like, what is a wisp of fog? What is that? And we've talked about it over and over and over again, week after week after week in our series. A wisp of fog is someone who lives a divided life, right? That's living a divided life. If you believe that you're meant for more and you are serious about moving towards a fuller faith, then you must strive to live an undivided life, even within yourself. Amen? Now, there are a lot of people in our world. There are a lot of people in this room. There is one person standing on this stage that are in some ways placing their hopes in tomorrow. A tomorrow that may never come, according to James. But the radical shift that Jesus Christ is waking us up to is the fact that life is happening right now, and it's brief. Amen? It's brief. James says it like this. It's like a wisp of fog, catching a little glimpse of the sunlight and then disappearing. Here today, gone tomorrow. Our authors of the Bible, other ones, have written about this too. In chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, the chronicler described our lives as mere shadows. How long does a shadow last? Not very long. In in, in chapter 90 of the Psalms, the psalmist said it like this. We live for 70 years or so, or with some luck, we might make it to 80. And what do we have to show for it? Trouble. Toil and trouble And the same marker in the graveyard as everyone else. In chapter 6, Matthew recalls Jesus' own words. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That is so convicting. That is so convicting, friends. Over and over, the authors of the Bible, God's own son, Jesus Christ, calls us to something more. They say that whatever you are going to do, hey, you may want to do it today. You may want to do it today. Whatever decision you are going to make, you better make that decision today. You may not have tomorrow. Because you know why, friends? 
Life is uncertain. It absolutely is uncertain. And because you know what else? Life is very brief. Now, I want to take a poll. I want to take a poll both in this room and online. I want to know amongst all of you and our viewers, do any of you look back and find it hard to imagine yourself as old as you really are? <laughs> okay, some honest folks showed up. Hallelujah. If you're sitting on your couch, don't be lying. I can see you. Now, <laughs> now doesn't it just seem like yesterday you were younger? Okay, well, technically you were, but I mean like really younger, right? I, I tell Rachel all the time, I feel the same happy, like, young person inside, but my body doesn't heal as fast, and I ache more, and I creak a lot. <laughs> it's like, it's really hard getting older. And, you know, the reality of adulting sets in, too, right? And all that's involved with that. But it kind of brings us to that conclusion that life is actually short. Very short. In fact, we keep trying in our culture to find more and more and more and more ways to prolong it, Right? This health craze, I'm worn out. This is hard to move, you know? And all these serums and creams and all the things, the holistic and medicines and things that we try to find to prolong it. But you know what? James is the only one in the room really telling the truth, right? James says, death is getting closer every day. That, does, that doesn't have to be awful. But he, he tells us, wake up. He challenges us to that. Wake up. Your life is like a vapor. One minute it's there, and it's filling the light of sun, and then poof, it disappears. So you and I better get to doing what we're going to do, right? The person in James' story does not consider that life is short. No, he, he uh, doesn't consider that life is uncertain. He does not take into consideration that life is sacred and holy. There is no God in this person's plan. In fact, he left God out of all of the planning. He left God out of his life. Hmm. He's living a divided life. And, and, and that simply means that his mind's not on God. His hopes are not set on God. His dreams don't involve God. And you know what? That's misleading. But I see a lot. I've, I've been that way a lot. It's also sinful. Because the Jerusalem jet setter boasts as though he has something that others should attain to when really it's just fake news. <laughs> Now, that's kind of what wisp of fog means. I'm going to ask God to redeem the word fog for us, though, and use it, and I never do this, as an acronym, <laughs> fog. What if instead of this Jerusalem jet setter's mentality, we take fog and we use it to remind us to live as a friend of God? A friend of God in the moment, right now. What if we do that? Living as a friend of God has been defined over the last six weeks. 
It's not just saying that you're a Christian. It's actually us living it out as little Christs here on earth, doing what Christ does, saying what Christ says, acting and loving the way that Christ does as Christ followers. And offering something that is not good news for hallelujah, I'll fly away after you're dead and gone, but good news today, right now. Living as a friend of God means putting your plans and my plans to the litmus test to make sure that they align with God's plan for today, right now. In this moment, living as friends of God means returning to God sacrificially. Out of your emptiness, not out of your abundance. That was Jesus' problem with all of the religious leaders. They gave out of their abundance. But that widow, she gave two coins out of her emptiness. Sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's not neat. Sometimes it's not all packaged up real pretty. One of the things that my wife and I commit to do is to fill out a commitment card and tithe in this church because we want to set a good example. But we also live days where we don't know how our children will receive the medicine, right, that they need. And that is not because we make unwise decisions. That is because we try to faithfully discern what God wants from us. And we make those sacrifices. They're real and we feel them. And I know there are many of you in this room making them too. But that is, that is what the family of God is about. That is what listening to God is about. That is what uh, living in God's plan and aligning with God's plan for right now in the moment sometimes looks like. Living as a friend of God means getting up here to this church and living it out in community with one another and declaring every single time that God is right. God is right. Coming together and doing that with one another. That's what being a friend of God in this moment looks like. It's good news for today. It's living in reality. It's also remembering that life is short and uncertain and sacred. Living as a friend of God also means that we are practicing real love. <laughs> that we are simply the receivers of God's grace so that we can turn around and let that flow out of our lives. So that we are good news to other people today. Not one time did James's Jerusalem jet setter mention how he was going to help someone else. But you, Crosswalk of Lovers Lane, United Methodist Church, you are very different. You know how to incorporate charity in your personal affairs. And if you're visiting, or if you haven't been around here long, I hope you learn that here quickly. We have some great opportunities coming up for you to do it. Everybody's Christmas being one. We have a lot going on, and we're going to talk a lot more about that in our next series called Get Rich Quick. But it's not what you think. <laughs> but see, James calls us to live in this moment, this moment right now. And friends, there's obstacles. I'll just be honest with you. There are obstacles. You know what it's like to sit there and worry about finances, where the money's going to come from. But that's not 
That's not God's plan for us today. God says, don't you worry. Pray. Don't you worry. And don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its troubles. How many times have we had to pray about this and fret over this? And what about jobs when, when things don't go right and we lose a job or we lose something in our life? And, and, and oh, I'll show you another obstacle, this, when I'm living like this with you because I'm never present in this moment. I'm always like this because I'm not present in this moment because I'm always worried about what's next, 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 next. James reminds us that life is short and uncertain and sacred. We need to be more connected in this moment with each other. Then we'll actually hear each other. Maybe we'll actually love each other. I got a real glimpse of this when I became a father and had kids because they grow up fast, let me tell you. When I do this, I miss precious moments. It shouldn't just be that way for my kids, though. I should feel that way about you and you and you. I need to be present with you. And so I confess. If we don't intentionally take notice of right now, we miss incredible moments. And let me tell you, friends, God's not missing out on you. God is not missing out on you. God sees you. God knows every hair on your head. The word says so. God is right. But are you missing out on God? Because I have. I've missed out on God. Let's talk about this moment right now that we're in. You know what the benefit is if we can be present in this moment with each other? The benefit is that we find peace real peace together we were singing Waymaker. my heart soared regardless of how crummy i was feeling regardless of how tired i was i was like yeah Waymaker. light in the darkness promise keep i was ready to kick some devil tail by the end of that song yeah <laughs> yeah we're at peace because we know that god sees us when we're in the moment with God, we're at peace because deep down inside, we know that God sent God's only son to die for us and forgive us of our sins. Every second matters. We don't have to live in tomorrow because Christ lived and died for us, for you and me. And now I have confidence in my tomorrow. I already know, even if I have an illness or even if I'm diagnosed with, with something awful, even if today is my last day, I know what tomorrow brings because he lives. That's a promise in the moment that we could miss out if we're not present with God in this moment. But you know what else? We don't just get peace. We get freedom. <laughs> we get freedom in this moment. We are free from ideologies that lie to us and tell us that our best day is tomorrow. <laughs> what if our best day is right now? 
and we miss it because we're not present. We're free to experience it this day, in this moment. You know, there's a prayer that calls this out. It's called daily bread, and God gives it abundantly. You've been given breath, and you're free to worship God right here, right now. So what's it going to be? What is it going to be for you? Are you going to give consideration to God today? Because life is short and uncertain and sacred. God has a plan that includes you, friend, in this moment. And that includes your bank account. And that includes your church attendance record. And that includes a whole bunch of other things. But you're going to have to be present with God to really know that. Cross Rock, there is a reason you're here. A really important one. And I want you to know that there's freedom and peace in this moment. Will you pray with me? God, some of us are here this morning, Lord, and we are enslaved to trouble. Always worrying about what's next. Always buying into some untrue dream about how your good news is not good news for now, but some other time. God, some of us are sitting here this morning bitter over the fact that we never made it big. Or, or God, that we just can't seem to bring ourselves to trust you. God, would you lead us to a life of faithfulness and abundance? There are people, God, here with us right now who are depressed. Or they're sick. Or they're brokenhearted, God. Or they're just broke. Heal us, God. Heal us because you can, Father. We declare, God, that your word is true and right. We declare, God, that your son's sacrifice for us is our salvation. Your word says, God, that you are for us and that you will not abandon us or forsaken us, God. Help us live that out in our lives. Help us declare that today as we are transformed into children of God who are present in this moment. I pray that all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and through your spirit who is working to transform us in this moment. Amen.